scripture. <laughs> and this is Jesus speaking. I have a different version. You can hear it two days at the same time. I have much more to tell you, but now it would be too much for you to bear. When, however, the Spirit comes, who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears and will tell of things to come. He will give me glory because he will take what I say and tell it to you. All that my Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. Wondrous Creator, we come to you with hearts full. Some of us seeking, some of us yearning, some of us loving, some of us grieving, but all of us praying. I begin this morning with the same prayer that I offer every morning before I preach. That you once again let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our collective hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Open our ears to hear this word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our understanding in the most unimaginable ways so that we may continue to serve you today, now and always. Amen. 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 So before I really start, Dan Minnick said he skipped this one in his elders' reflection this week. <laughs> And I, you know, Ryan always kind of gives me a hard time and says I take it the hard way. I take the most difficult path to get somewhere. And this is not an easy text to understand. And as a disciple, I kind of want to offer some context for that. One, my favorite theologian, Anthony Bourdain, says I don't have to agree with you to like you or to respect you. So, as you leave today, remember that you do not have to agree with anything that I've come up with. But these are my ponderings, what the Spirit has done with me over the course of this week with this text. And then although not necessarily my favorite, like Mr. Bourdain here, but um, Teresa Ford Owens, who is our general minister for the Disciples of Christ, posted yesterday at 6.09 p.m. She posts, we are called to study and read scripture for ourselves. Rather than having tests of faith and creedal statements, we critically and thoughtfully study scripture, taking into account the history, the background, the context in which it is written. But again, I default. I don't have to agree with you to like or to respect you. So this scripture this morning is interesting. It's Jesus talking. I love that Heidi kind of gave us that context for who is speaking. Um, and it's celebrated this Sunday as Trinity Sunday. Mind you, that's not really mentioned in the Bible. It's something that we've come to throughout time. It's an opportunity to intentionally reflect one of Christianity's most important, and I say baffling, ideas. We now begin the nearly six months of ordinary time, so I get to wear green. Sure. Um, is exciting. 
during which this year's walk through the Gospel of Luke will continue. So it's a really beautiful time that we can be contemplative. We can delve deeper into Scripture. So from now until November, the Gospel readings will move chronologically week after week with only a couple minor exceptions, kind of like through Lent, how it was sprinkled with John. Think of ordinary time as ordered, deliberate, six-month, step-by-step pilgrimage through the story of Jesus' life through whichever voice it is that year. So Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And this year we're on Luke. And he's our guide. So the ancient doctrine of the Trinity arose out of the early Christian reflection on Scripture. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke of the Spirit as a guiding, challenging presence, distinct from both him and from the one whom he prayed. So now we have three, right? We have the one whom he prayed. So the kids would tell us who that is. That's Father, Abba, God. We have Jesus, the divine human form incarnate who walked with the disciples. And then we have this new character who's not exactly a character at all. It's this sort of misty sort of spiritual dimension. The idea that God is properly conceived as both three and one is kind of strange, right? Not three gods, because that misses God's oneness. And not merely one, because that misses God's threeness. And it wouldn't do justice to the sense of encountering God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit if there were only two and God just stepped away from that. So we have the Trinity. Or as someone mentioned that I said a couple weeks ago, the triune God, three in one. So turning to our scripture, Jesus is preparing his followers for his departure. He seems to do this a lot. He prepares folks, right? Jesus assures them that it's actually to your advantage that I go away. Since his departure actually makes a way for this spirit, this third character, um, Paracletus is what it's called, um, Ruah in the um, Hebrew Bible, the advocate, partner, guide, one who is called alongside as a teacher is called alongside, or a guide is called alongside a traveler. So the Spirit will teach them things that Jesus hasn't taught them yet. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So this is interesting to me, because we know if anyone, I don't know if anyone pays attention, but a couple weeks ago, we had a scripture that said, I tell you all the things, I leave you all the things, right? And then this week, Jesus says, well, no, I'm not telling you all the things, because you can't bear all the things. And I wonder what that means for the disciples. I wonder for me, if in their grief, they weren't ready because they were about to lose their friend, their teacher, their rabbi. I wonder if what Jesus had to tell them, or what the Spirit, in this case, might tell them, was so enormous that it was beyond their understanding. I wonder if the Spirit does things to us, urges us to places that are uncomfortable, that are hard, but that we're called to anyway. Difficult conversations with loved ones, 
moves across the country in the middle of winter. <laughs> Early mornings, late nights, people in places that we might not normally engage, right? These tough, tough conversations. And Jesus said, right now, you can't bear that. You can't bear what the Spirit has in mind for you. So he assured them that he loved them. He went on in later chapters to remind them that he was, remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the indwelling of him. He was leaving so that he could be deeper within them. So that they could walk around knowing that they had Christ within them. So what I wonder if he was giving them, A, time to grieve, B, time to move forward with this Christ within them, that they no longer had to have a physical presence of Jesus in front of them because they then became Jesus as a community. So C.S. Lewis writes some stuff about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, all sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love. We say that a lot, right? But they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one person has for another person or thing. If God were a single entity, then before the world was made, God was not love. So, according to C.S. Lewis, God, from the very beginning, had to exist in a partnership with the Holy Spirit, with Christ, with another to love and to be loved by. Love is only through relationship. And it's a beautiful thing that God loved us enough to send Jesus, his only son, the sacrifice. But I guess in this scripture, for me, the biggest thing is the mystery of it, right? And as disciples, I think we're a little bit more comfortable with mystery than others. I don't know that I have to understand this quite yet. And I think next year or three years from now when this rolls around again, I might have a little more understanding or I might still be equally baffled by the fact that God, one, loved us so much that he sent Christ to suffer with us and to love us. But that there was this indwelling Christ that stuck around for all eternity, which is pretty profound. And then there is this bigger, different, mystical sort of entity that nudges us deeper and deeper into understanding, although sometimes incrementally. I can't say that I understand the Trinity Holy and completely. <laughs> but I can say that I have felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to do things and be places, to be patient, to hear, to listen, to set aside my fears, to take a deep breath. The Holy Spirit whispered the messages of the Bible to the writers who captured them. But the Bible is not God. 
And the Trinity can never be constrained to a box the size of a book on your bedside table. This is from Suzanne Dewitt Hall. Zeta Madonna's Perez writes, I love the Holy Spirit. She's like the wild child of the Trinity. Anywhere and everywhere, moving, calling forth, and stirring things up. So when we feel called and moved to do something, to change our direction, or to stay put when we want to leave, I imagine that's the Holy Spirit. Trinity Sunday reminds us that even without us, the loving God was never alone, even before creation. Trinity Sunday in the text acknowledged the presence of more than one with God all along, a love that was felt amongst God, with God. For me, how I ended up here, how I ended up being a pastor, the next steps are all the work of the Holy Spirit, interconnecting three in one, the work of God, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the divine mystery of all of it. Today, I invite you to come with more questions than answers. I think that's exactly where disciples were when Jesus said those words to them. I invite you to let yourself sit with those questions and allow the answers to come as they will, or not, slowly with intention and prayer, with the Holy Spirit tapping you on your shoulder, whispering to you. May we be ready to hear what she offers us. <laughs>